0: God is good. Jesus is real. His word is alive. I am His. Okay, now here's the deal. We don't want to keep that in the house. This is why, ready for this? We made some t shirts that say Jesus is real. So, here's what I want you to do. If you can donate so we can get more shirts, <laughs> right on, Keegan. Uh, if you can, that would be awesome, if you can't, no worries, but this is the message we want to spread, that Jesus is real, that He loves us. And so, uh, we've got uh, just a handful, but you can come see me after service and we'll get you situated, but we don't want it just to be a slogan that is, uh, a slogan. There's a lot of jingles out there and it's not a church jingle. We believe that God is good, Jesus is real, His word is alive and I am His. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. So that's why we made T-shirts, so we could spread it. So, um, now, First Thessalonians chapter 4, um, it, there's a lot, obviously. And now for us to, to just take one portion of Scripture and talk about God's will uh, would be incredibly hard because from Genesis to Revelation, God's will is specifically laid out. Uh, see, staying in one text for knowing and doing God's will, which is our topic for today, uh, would be rather difficult. And so this morning we'll be bouncing from various verses. We'll be talking about the basics of God's will, what to look for and how to do God's will. But I want to share a story with you uh, before we get any further. Now, before we moved up to Northern California, I was a janitor at a, a large church in Southern California. It was one of the most rewarding jobs I have ever had. Um... Now, along with that job came stories that I have and that I'm sure some people would rather not have me share. Um, So, But I remember this one story, one day in specific, where I was working my shift and there was a women's study going on and there was also uh, children in the children's ministry. Well, there was about 40 children that would come to these midweek services and and I got a call on my walkie-talkie, and it was from, my, uh, from the children's ministry director. Uh, she knew who to call in case of an emergency. Uh, and the, the call was this. One of the toilets in the little girl's bathroom needs to be plunged. Now, I was new to being a custodian, so you can imagine the excitement when I get called to plunge a toilet. Uh, I, was, I was ecstatic. I was like, this is no big deal. I do it at home. I can do it here. And so I made my way down to the bathroom, made sure that the bathroom was clear of any uh, kids, and I walked into the clogged stall area, and at that moment, staring into the toilet, I asked, God, what is your will for my life? Not because I didn't know, but because what was staring right back at me? (laughs) Let your mind just go that way for a minute. Now, why would I ask that? Well, because when little kids seem to hold it too long, uh, oftentimes the outcome uh, is that the toilet won't flush. Again, let your mind go somewhere. Uh, so I asked my supervisor. I said, well, what would you do? I don't know why I asked this, because the answers I got were not helpful at all. <laughs> he says, well, you can either plunge it. I hope your breakfast is settled and you're, you're okay. Um, he says, you can either plunge it and ruin the plunger, And then he gave me a second option was, or you can glove up and fish it out. (laughs) And at this point, I was desperate for a booming voice from heaven. I seriously was. God, don't make me do this. I'll do anything else but this. But I was at a crossroads to plunge it or to fish it out. You're waiting for the answer, right? Like what I did. Yeah, I took a deep breath, gloved up, and fished it out. Yeah, ew, you can say. So, but I wonder, now that's kind of a gross story, right? Whatever you're thinking is probably too much. I don't know what you're thinking, but uh, I wonder how many of us have been in in similar situations to where we were confronted with two things. Both looked good, but we aren't sure or weren't sure which one was God's will. Uh, And if it is God's will, whether this one is or the other one is, how do I know how to do God's will? See, our lives are full of decisions. Some internet sources say that the average adult makes 35,000 conscious decisions each day. 35,000 decisions each day. Alright, we're going to have a little participation. Ready? I can tell you're really excited. Okay, Coke or Pepsi? Oh my goodness, okay. McDonald's or Burger King? (laughs) In and out of the habit. All right, I knew this was a holy church. Nike or Adidas? Ooh, Uh uh-oh, we'll talk later. Starbucks or Dutch Bros? iPhone or Droid? Tyrone, you're outnumbered, sorry. (laughs) Um, If you ever text Tyrone and you're waiting for three little dots, it ain't going to happen. Now, the the other ones you can't necessarily answer, but uh, decisions include moving here or moving there. Uh, To give in to temptation or obey God. Deny my faith or confess Jesus before men. Give to this cause or give to the other cause. See, our lives are full of choices, would you agree? But how we respond to the choices in our lives show us who we want to honor in this particular situation. God or ourselves. So here's what I want to do with this message this morning. I want to answer one simple question, I think. is how do I know God's general will for me? Now, when we talk about God's will, we have to understand that there's two different types of will. You have your general will, which is for the believer. All of the the people who have called on the name of the Lord. That is the general will. That's what the Christian is supposed to do. That is what the Christian has been called by God to do. Then you have the specific will. Should I move here or move there? Chances of you finding that in Scripture, unless you're moving to Israel, it might be slim to none. But the specific will is specifically for you. Maybe you've been praying about a situation, and you've been asking, God, what is your will for me? Should I take this job, or should I take that job? That is your specific will. But the general will is what God has called all believers to. Now, what are some basics of how to know God's general will? Point number one, God's will is always in harmony with God's word. God's will is always in harmony with God's word. His will never contradicts His word. Now, have you ever played that matching game as a kid where you have all the cards face down and you try to match the first card that you place with another card and, and when you get them wrong, what do you have to do? You flip them back over until you find the matching cards, the same cards, right? It's a lot like that in life. You choose a card in life and when that card doesn't match with God's Word, if, if it's not in God's Word, then it is not God's will. See, many of us will ask the question, God, what is your will for my life? Has anybody asked that before? I think we all have. What am I supposed to do? We pray and ask God and and hear nothing because we make it more complicated than it really should be. See, God speaks his will to us through his word. He has revealed his will for us in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. Paul makes it abundantly clear what the will of God is. For this is the will of God your sanctification to be set apart, to be holy, to be, to be different from the rest of the world. But then he doesn't stop there. He says that you abstain from sexual immorality. When Paul wrote this, he was writing to a Roman culture that was void of chastity and sexual purity. They were taking their standards of sexual immorality from the culture and not from God. See, God's will for you and I is to remain sexually pure according to His standards, not the world's. I should have gotten an amen for that. You know the world we live in today. See, the world sets people apart by who they have slept with. The world sets people apart by who they have hooked up with. Yet the Christian is set apart by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that is it. See, God wants us to be set apart from a godless culture. Uh, you, you've seen the world around us today. You see how godless and dark our culture is, with our government trying to stop people from meeting together uh, in church. Uh, praise the Lord that that didn't actually happen. That that our governor didn't get his wishes after all. But listen, God wants us set apart from this godless, dark culture and its sexual morality. David Guzik says this, he says, If our sexual behavior is no different than the Gentiles who do not know God, like Paul says, then we are not sanctified, set apart in the way God wants us to be. So there's one aspect of God's will. uh, To remain pure, to to live a holy life, to live a set apart life. Uh, And then throughout scripture you also find God's will towards the Christian marriage. Ephesians 5, 22 and 28, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. God's will for marriage is that both husband and wife would serve one another. Husbands, (laughs) do not expect your wife to do the leading. That is your role. That is your job. You are called to shepherd your wife. And if you're not married... Someday you plan on getting married. Your job, husband, is to shepherd your wife. To lead her closer to Jesus. See, you can't expect her to be your maid. Uh, she, she is not your uh, servant slave. She is there to serve you, no doubt, just like you are there to serve her. Yet she is not there to be your personal uh, doormat for your own personal pleasure. Wives, sorry, not off the hook. God's will for you is to submit and respect your husband. See, husbands, maybe your wife isn't submitting to you as you think she should. Well, I have to ask this question. Husband, are you loving her as you are called to? See, it is easier for a wife to submit when her husband is demonstrating the love of Jesus in that marriage. The, The servant's heart. The love that he has been loved with by God to love his bride with. It doesn't stop there. So we've talked about uh, purity. We've talked about the the Christian marriage. Now what about us for those that that aren't married or even dating or, or, or any of those categories? What about if I'm just a disciple, which we all are? Jesus makes it abundantly clear what the will of God is for disciples. Go, therefore. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. God's will for you and I is to make disciples. It's quite simple. Do you see how complicated we make it? God's will is is right here. And here's a tip, here's a hint. All you need to do is open it. See, many, many times I hear people say, Well, I can't make disciples. I, I, don't, I don't know the word of God well enough. I, I don't know Jesus well enough. I just got saved. I just gave my life to Christ. I, I, I don't know how to make disciples. Okay, well, what you do know, which is uh, hopefully that Jesus died for your sins, rose again from the grave, and is coming back for you. With that very truth, with that simple truth, go make a disciple. The same thing you heard that caused you to give your life to Christ is what you should be telling others. See, if you're a growing Christian, you will have a desire to come alongside of those people God brings into your life. Uh, there is a reason why people come our way, I, I believe. And it may just be for a season. It may be for a, a, a permanent time. But there's a reason why God brings us to certain people. And I believe it's ultimately to, to disciple these people. But the Bible doesn't stop there. It, it continues in James chapter 1, verse 2. God's will for us when we go through hardships or trials. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. We talked about that the the second uh, part of this series. Uh, or this one, in 1 Thessalonians five fourteen through 22, it says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, see that no one repays ev- anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Ready for this? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. How much more clarity do we need? He says this is the will of God. It's right in front of you. And I'm venturing to say many of us have not realized that it's clearly stated in Scripture. Because we haven't opened it. We've chosen to leave our Bibles on the coffee table and allow it to collect dust, thinking that God is going to indeed, like I wanted Him to, send this booming voice down from heaven. It doesn't work that way. His booming voice is right here. Now, have you heard the phrase, uh, desperate times call for desperate measures, right? So, often when we find ourselves in these desperate seasons, the last thing we will do is pray. We'll try to figure everything out before we have to get to the part of praying. And, and maybe some of you aren't, aren't that way, but a lot of us, I think, would fall into that category where we like to be fix-it Felix, so to speak. And we like to fix everything before we have to bring God into the picture. But listen, God is already in the picture. He already has the answer to your problem before you even knew you had a problem. Point number two. God's will is known when you spend regular time with Him. Through prayer, through worship, through fellowship, through daily Bible reading, through going to, from going to church. Listen, don't wait until you are desperate to start seeking God. Seek God now when you need Him, which is every day. Not just when you're desperate, but when things are good, when things are fine. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. So here's the thing, God speaks to us when we commit to seek him consistently and intimately. Consistently and intimately. When I started following Jesus, I would get into these seasons where I would only open the word if I needed something. Have you been there before where, God, I need a word from you and you close your Bible and you, Leviticus, wait, let me try it again. And, and, and we make it this this Bible roulette, so to speak. And we, and we try to make the Bible say what we want it to say, rather than what God wants it to say. And I had those seasons of my life where I just, okay, God, I need a word. I'm in a desperate situation right now. I, I need to hear from you. But I waited. I waited in that desperate season. See, listen, you have God's word, God's written word, God's love letter to you, and God's Word is not to be approached like this. See what I'm doing? Like a genie. God is not to be approached like that. You rub your Bible and you ask God for your wish and boom. Stop watching Aladdin. See, don't, don't take God's word like that. It doesn't work that way. God's will is that you continually ask. You continually seek. You continually knock. Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. But it's not just a one time thing. It's a continual asking. It's a continued knocking. It's a continual seeking. See God doesn't get tired of you coming to him. He loves when you come to him. And I think so many of us might have this mentality. Where we feel like "Oh, I've been asking God too much. And I'm probably just burdening him right now. You're talking to the creator of the universe. Who can handle everyone's problem all at once, and you think you're burdening God with your asking? No. Come to Jesus. Knock on the door. Ask, seek, and it says it will be open to you. Point number three God's will is spoken through his people. Proverbs 11 uh, 14, it says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. I believe God loves to give guidance to us through us. Now, let me explain. Meaning God loves to speak to his people through his people. The scripture says in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Let me ask you a question. Do you have people in your life? Right now, that you can go to for advice, for not just any advice, but for godly advice. See, if you don't, I want to list out some characteristics to look for in this group of counselors. What should I look for in counselors? Look for somebody who has good character, look for somebody who is spiritually mature, look for somebody who has a biblical perspective. And look for somebody who has a balanced perspective and who has gone through real life experience. And if you look at your life right now, ask yourself, do I have these at least five people that I can call on? That when I'm going through a season where I don't know what God wants me to do, can I call uh, this person and they'll give me solid biblical advice? Because let's, let's face it, there's a lot of people who give good advice, but it's not godly advice. There's a lot of people who will give advice, but they've never gone through much of anything. See, this this is crucial for all maturity levels in Christ. Not just for the young person in Christ, the young believer, but for the seasoned believer as well. We all need counselors. We all need people that we can go to and say, what would you do? I'm, I'm stuck right now. I don't know which school to choose. I don't know how to parent my, my kid through this season. I don't know why my kid keeps doing you fill in the blank. You need these people in your life that can point you in the direction that God ultimately wants you to go. Point number four. God speaks through circumstances. Revelation three seven. It says, and and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? The words of the Holy One, the the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. Uh, So we have an almost one-year-old. Next weekend, he turns one. um, But he's gotten into this habit of just desiring every single door and cabinet in our house. Not, not, not just looking at them, but he'll go up and he'll start ripping things out. And so we, to our probably uh, disservice, we haven't baby proofed our, our home up to the baby proof standards. Uh, so the other night, I was in the kitchen and I had my back turned towards him. I, some of you are like, what, why would you even do that? He's a toddler. The other night I was in the kitchen, I look over my shoulder and I I hear this noise. And I know the noise of our cabinets opening. I know them very well by now. And I see my little one-year-old about to get in the cabinet under the sink where the chemicals are. And so I went over, slid him out of the way and blocked the doors from being open. They were shut. And so what naturally occurs in a one-year-old when they don't get their name, or name, Sometimes they don't get their name. Um, when they don't get their way, what do they do? They throw a fit, a one-year-old fit. Now, many of us think that a one-year-old throwing a fit is absolutely adorable, which I would venture to agree with you. But how many of us still do the same thing when God closes a door on us? We still throw the same fit. No, God, I don't want this to happen. I can't believe you would shut this door. I knew what I was going for. Yeah, you did, but it was wrong. Just like my one-year-old, going for a bunch of chemicals that he shouldn't have. God knows what you need, and he knows what you don't need. So don't get upset at God when things don't go your way. God has a much better plan. Amen? But how do you know if God is closing a door? It looks different for us all, I believe. The way God closes a door for me isn't the same way that he's going to close a door for you. God might slam the door on me, but he might give you grace and patience and, and kindness, and he might gently sl- uh, close the door. I was going to say slam, but anyways. Or he may start causing relationships to be awkward. Uh, maybe at the workplace, or, or, or you just feel like there's this awkwardness around your coworkers, or, or something like that. He may start speaking to your mind about how it's time to move on. Or he may, like I mentioned, abruptly close the door. Now, after my uh, 10 plus years at the church being a custodian, God led us to uh, another church out in Northern California called Bayside. uh, Bayside Woodland. And I was brought on as the kids pastor. I loved teaching the kids. I loved creating these object lessons. And I I still uh, love doing it with the the preschool kids here. But uh, I didn't get a lot of opportunities to teach adults. I I didn't have that opportunity. And that was my desire at the time was to teach adults. Uh, But see, uh, I would get to fill in occasionally. But there was something in me that was stirring up this sense of me wanting to, uh, to, to go and be a lead pastor one day. And so one day as I'm sitting in my office, uh, there was a gentleman that came into the office by the name of Robert Lewis. He came into the church office and I was sitting in my office and my boss at the time, the lead pastor, met him at the entrance to the office. Now neither one of them knew I was actually in the office. And so as I was sitting there trying not to eavesdrop on their conversation because it was a very small office, I couldn't help but hear my name being mentioned throughout this conversation. Now I had this desire to teach God's word and I wanted i wanted to do whatever it took to get to that place. Whatever God would allow me to, uh, whenever he allowed me to have the opportunity, I would take it. But I remember one day, uh, that, that day that it happened, I went to my boss later and said, listen, I tried my best not to eavesdrop. But I couldn't help but hear how many times my name was dropped in the conversation you were having. Would you care to share what it was about? And what it turned out to be was that this other local church in the community was looking for a volunteer teaching pastor for their Saturday night services. And so I agreed to do it, and and I loved doing it. I had done it for a year, but God opened that door so he could open another door, right? God closed... Uh, the door for Saturday nights, but opened a door to come up here. See, God opens and closes doors in a different variety of ways. What he does for me is not going to be the same as what he does for you. But if you spend regular time with God in prayer and his word, walking in the spirit and by the spirit, you will know what door he is closing and what door He is opening. But you got to be in tune. You have to be close to the Lord. You can't just expect uh, like that booming voice to come out and say, that door is going to close in five days. God doesn't do that. Have you ever heard of bumper sticker theology? No? Nobody's heard of bumper sticker theology? It's a phrase you would most commonly see that would make a good bumper sticker. right? Like, uh, it sounds nice, but it's not necessarily biblical. Uh, like this one, when God closes a door... He opens a window. Have you heard that one before? Make a good bumper sticker, but it's absolutely not biblical at all. See, my question is for those that might have this sticker as their theology, show me where that's found in the Bible. Because when God closes a door, He closes a door. He's not going to open a window because if He closed the door, He obviously doesn't want you in there. See, people may say when when God closes a door, He opens a window. But what they're really saying is that uh, in regards to possibly losing your job or, or, or getting fired, whatever you fill in the blank, whatever happens, they're ultimately saying the job wasn't good for you anyways. And you're sure to find another job that's even better. In a condensed version, when God closes a door, He opens a window. But there's three issues with this phrase as we, as we come to a close. It assumes that God's will for us is the same as ours. It it assumes that my desire is God's desire, and God's desire is my desire, but it's not. Uh, Now, if we were always in sync with God, that would be amazing, but there are times where we don't agree with what God is doing. And when, when when that happens, we need to change our thinking. See, if God closes the door to a situation, He's not going to open a window, so you might have a slight chance of getting into it. And when he closes the door, don't go searching for the window access. (laughs) See, there is a real possibility, a particular desire we want to fulfill is not God's will at all. Number two, another issue is because God is sovereign, he has infinite ways to get us what we want and where we want to be. When he closes a door, some people think he's not actually saying no. He's just providing an alternate way for us to get in. That's all. Rather, the truth is, because He is sovereign, because God is in control, He is going to have His way regardless of what we want to happen. The third issue with this is the assumption that it is God's responsibility to open and close all doors, and we're just to wait. Now, throughout Scripture, you see that wait on the Lord and He will renew your strength and you'll mount up with wings like eagles and we're encouraged by that, but some of us take that a little bit too literally and all we do is become spiritual couch potatoes. We just wait and wait and wait and wait and we're not active in our faith. We're not taking one day and, at a time and, and we're not plugging into what He has already called us to. See, sometimes we have to close a door because God is leading us to close a door. It may be on a relationship. It may be on a, a financial aspect on, of your life. It may be somewhere where you don't even know. But listen, sometimes God calls us to close a door. And when that door is closed, he will open another. It may not be in your time. It will always be in his time. But listen, as, as we close... Uh, I know some of you are struggling with, with knowing what God wants you to do next in your life. I, and maybe some of you that are joining us for the first time, you're, you're battling with, with this. You have two choices in front of you. You don't know if God wants you to do A or B. You don't know what he wants you to do. And I don't have the answer for you. I wish I could come up here and say, this is exactly what you're supposed to do. God told me, but I don't. But I can give you some of the greatest advice possible because I know it's been given to me and it's been some of the most helpful and influential advice. is trust Him as you wait for an answer. See, waiting can be hard. Especially when you're in a difficult season. But as we wait on the Lord, something happens. And I want to close with this verse. This is the third time I've said I'm going to close. But I mean it this time. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Let's all stand as I close out with this verse. He says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen? Wait on the Lord. Trust in Him. He knows what He's doing. Knowing the will of God starts with God first, not us. It's all about Him. God's will is always in harmony with God's Word. God's will is known when you spend regular time with Him. God's will is spoken through His people and God speaks through circumstances. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for this time that we've had. Lord, I I truly believe that we make knowing Your will so much more complicated than it needs to be. God, we want to know Your will. We desire to know Your will. There are so many times where we allow our our thoughts and our minds to ultimately cloud out your general will for us. Lord, we need your guidance. We need your wisdom. God, we just need you. God, I pray for my, my brothers and sisters in here this morning and watching online. God, if they're faced with a decision this morning, God, I pray for clarity. I pray for direction, I pray for insight, I pray for the endurance and strength and stamina to wait upon you as you have your way in their life, God, I pray that they would hold on to the promise that we find in Isaiah, that when we wait on you, we will mount up on wings like eagles. Thank you for your direction in our lives. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your great name that we pray. Amen.